0: What's new?
1: How is the world treating you? My name is Ed Peters and I welcome you to What's New. We continue today with our study in Matthew chapter 24. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving the city of Jerusalem and the temple area, his disciples commented on the beauty of the temple and its surrounding buildings. Jesus told them that the entire complex would be destroyed. Not one stone would be left on top of another. When they reached the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him and asked him when this would take place. They also asked him what events will signal his return and the end of the age. The answer that Jesus gives them is called the Olivet Discourse and is recorded in the first three Gospels. Matthew does not answer the first question relating to the destruction of Jerusalem, but focuses on the events that signal his return and the end of the age. Luke's primary focus is on the first question, the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. The record in Mark is parallel to that of Matthew's, but much briefer. Now, before we begin to look at the answer that Jesus gives his disciples, we will look at the subject of prophecy, and this will be our focus on today's study.
0: Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, standing on the promises, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing on the promises, standing on the promises. I'm standing on the promises of God. Promises of God my Savior standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises
1: of God now here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder.
2: It's been my privilege to speak in many churches and camps in Western United States, Canada, and in Japan on the subject of predictions made by God through the Bible writers. We call it prophecy. That word means to foretell. Much of the Bible was prophetic when it was written. Sometimes predictive statements related to the near future and sometimes to the distant future. I found quite a few people who found it difficult to understand that this was possible, even some among professing Christians. We humans are limited to and by time. We might have inspired insight and make predictions on the basis of observations and trends, but for the Bible writers to have supernatural foresight is another matter. We humans find that hard to believe. It's expecting too much from our intellect to believe that the prophets predicted events a thousand years before their time. Must we sacrifice our rational powers to believe that? Some would say yes. I'll make two observations and answer. First, the predictions of the Bible are absolutely insane, unless you know the one who makes them. I believe in a big God, a God who stands not only above but outside of time. Once you see God that way, the predictions of the Bible are perfectly rational and reasonable. But it's crucial that we have a big God when reading this book, or else we will not understand it. It's like the promises of God. They are absolutely insane, unless you know the one who makes them. I would have very serious problems with the promises of God if I didn't know the God who made them. Take David's words in Psalm 23, 6, for example. He writes, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue you all of your life. What a promise David made regarding God. Every day of your life as a child of his, he will pursue you with good and with mercy. I take it that you will experience every day without exception, goodness and mercy. Now that's an insane promise unless you know the one who makes it. So it is with the predictions of the Bible. If a great God didn't make them, then they are foolishness. So my question to anyone who has trouble with the predictions of the Bible is, how big is your God? Is he timeless or is he limited by time? If God is limited by time, if the future isn't known to him nor under his sovereign control, then the predictions in his word are on shaky ground and probably not to be taken seriously. But if God lives in eternity, which is timeless, then there is no past or future to him. We find that very difficult, if not impossible, to understand. We humans are bound by time. God isn't. Then neither is his message nor his word. So assumption number one, in order to believe the predictions of God in the Bible, and of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 24, it is necessary to know the God of the Bible. Assumption number two, I believe that God has spoken, and we have his words in this Bible. That's really a profound statement that God has spoken. God has broken through into our dimension of space and time, and he speaks in our language, in a language we understand and comprehend. And through the prophets, that message is inscripturated in this book. Because it's his word, it is living and always contemporary. It is never out of date nor ever irrelevant. So anyone who has a big God and believes in the fact that he has spoken in this book will have little problems with the predictions in the Bible. We may have difficulty understanding them, but that's another matter. I want to talk about that for a moment, understanding the prophecies of the Bible. I believe we make the predictions far too difficult and hard to understand. Instead of forcing details upon the predictions, perhaps we should stay with the larger picture, the broad sweep. We get into trouble when we get lost in details. I believe that God says what he means. I don't believe God is trying to trick anyone or fool anyone. It is up to us to read and study carefully and sanely his word and believe it. He didn't speak in philosophical jargon that might be hard to understand. So when we begin a study of the prophetic statements in this 24th chapter of Matthew, it is most important that we begin with these two assumptions. We have a big God and he has spoken. I need to focus on a third assumption for a moment. I believe that the whole Bible, everything God has said, is practical, relevant, and useful for us. None of the Word of God is irrelevant and impractical. There are some who suggest that the study of prophetic material is totally impractical, and that it has no relevance, save for us in our time and world. Some will, therefore, omit large sections of the Word of God. I believe this to be a serious mistake. Paul wrote, preach the whole counsel of God. Whatever is in this book, coming from God to us humans, is important to us, whether it's history or prophecy. God wants to make himself and his plan for us and our world known. So he gave us a self portrait and he gave us his plan for our world in this book. It's history, it's contemporary, and much of it is prediction. All of it is practical for us, because all of it is true. We have a great God. Our future is much clearer to him than our past is to us. Our problem is in believing him. Jesus once said, Oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. There's the problem. We have a big God. It's safe to believe that what he said is true. Let's risk believing Him. After all, God isn't limited to our world of space and matter and time. It's always best, and it's always safe to trust Him.
0: We stand here together As a family we join hands together The family to serve him.
1: A radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Shafter, California, 93263, USA.